Hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm Joe Poznanski, and uh, we're doing a special podcast today. We're going to celebrate the life of the great Gordie Howe, and and I couldn't have a better person to do that with. Uh, with me today is uh, Bruce Arthur, columnist extraordinaire for the Toronto Star and all-around Canadian superhero. Bruce, thanks for taking the time here. Oh, Joe, I bet there's a ton of people you could have that are better than me on this subject, but I am honored to be here. Well, I don't think there's anybody better than you on any subject. So <laughs> we can we can talk uh, knitting later. So um, so you and I actually uh, had a pretty good exchange about Gordie Howe about a year ago. I went and did uh, a story up in in Canada about Gordie Howe and uh, Jean Bellevue, who's you know obviously sort of the yin and yang of of Canadian hockey. Um, there's something. There are a couple of things I want to begin with. One is, you look at Gordie Howe's career, and you also look at his life, and I wrote a little bit about this, and you you touched on this as well, it seems almost unreal. I mean, there's like a folk hero quality to his life when you think about how he grew up, where he grew up, all the way through. I mean, it's it's pretty much extraordinary when you think about the life this this, this man lived. Well, yeah, like in Canada, you know, we, we turn our players into myths and folk heroes, whether they deserve it or not, right. quite often. Because the reverence that we attach to the game and the reverence that has been attached to the game by people who realize they can make an awful lot of money off it, um, that those things combined, like we, we turn hockey players into heroes in this country. We turn them into myths. And, uh, and not all of them deserve it. And the thing with Gordy is that not only did he deserve it, but everything about his life seemed like it was like it, this happens i think with great lives it's like they were written you know it's like they were they, they were created for us when obviously they weren't i mean gordy grows up he's born uh, just before the depression he grows up in the depression he's born in floral saskatchewan the birth story which he used to tell which is amazing where his mom was was chopping wood he's a sixth of nine children she goes inside lies down gives birth cuts the umbilical cord and waits for her husband to come home that's yeah. the way he used to tell the story um, and, and he grew up, he got his skates because the neighbor was selling some items around the house, a big bag of them. And, and there happened to be some skates in there. And then his dad would work on the skates. Um, and, and then he grew up as this incredibly strong farm boy, Saskatchewan boy. Of course he's a Saskatchewan boy. Um, and becomes the meanest, toughest, most skilled, most untouchable player of his era. And it partly because on the ice, he's the baddest guy around where he will, the, the, the Gordie Howe hat trick is a bit of a myth itself, because Gordie almost never fought. I think there's 22 confirmed fights for his entire career, and his career lasted forever. Right. But, but, but he became an archetype as to how hockey was played. And I think it, there's something about that, like the, the idea of the goal, the assist, and the fight. Like that, that's a lot of how hockey was viewed for a very long time. It's distilling this game into this very simple kind of triptych. And Gordy was like that. Gordy became a myth in Canada. Even though to become a myth, he had to be a man, like day in and day out. Right. Well, I think the thing that's incredible, I mean, there's so much that you said in there that I want to want to talk about. One of my favorite parts of the of the skate story is so that the neighbor sort of in desperation had to sell skate the, the basically everything that they had in their in their house and and mm-hmm. and his family which had no money at all as well had a little bit more money than this neighbor, so they, they helped each other out. So, I mean, there's just this beautiful sort of connection there. And then, as he tells the story, he got one of the skates, and his sister got the other. 
And <laughs> he either, he, he never remembered, he either paid her a dime for the skates, which is how he, his mother, would tell the story, uh, or he stole it, which is how he <laughs> told the story and is probably the more likely uh, of the two options. Uh, so I love everything about that. But you talk about him and not fighting very much. Isn't that really because at some point who the heck wanted to fight Gordy Howe? I mean, it was, I mean, he'd, he'd built that up, hadn't he? Yeah, it's part of the legend, right? Is that when Gordy fought, it would, it was a message to everyone to never try to fight him. And all, all the elbows and all the, the stick to the thumb and all the stuff he used to do, all the really, what would be in today's game, very dirty stuff. Whenever Gordy would tell those stories, it would be the second half of a hole, right? It would be someone had done something wrong and I had to correct it. I, like, even if it was a body check 10 years ago, he would remember and he would hold that grudge and he would get you back. And there, there, there's a few things about that I find really interesting. One, I mean, that was just, that was the way they played then. It was, sure. it was, a, it was, a, it was a, it was a savage game and, and you had to kind of earn your space on the ice. But the things that Gordy considered transgressions were not what, well, they wouldn't, wasn't like, Guys were, it was always a slash to his ankle or something. It wasn't like it was a blindside hit. It was stealing the puck from him. Like Gretzky tells a story about how one time they're playing and, and he steals a puck from Gordy and Gordy wraps him across the thumbs and says, don't do that again. Like part of the reason that Gordy managed whatever it was, 1,850 points is probably because the mere act of playing against Gordy Howe was considered disrespect. Like it was con- considered an attempt to embarrass him. And, and I think uh, part of, part of the, what I think we love as Canadians specifically about the way Gordy played is that that is, if you want, if you want to make it this, um, you can make it a kind of metaphor for the Canadian experience, which yeah. is Canada, if you grew up in the prairies, if you live in the prairies, it's tough, right? The, the first people who stopped in Winnipeg and stayed, and like the first pioneers that stopped, and went, we're going to stay here, and then stayed through the winter, and another one, and another one, and another one, same with Saskatoon. I have a friend who grew up just north of Saskatoon said he had to be careful walking to school because he figured, you fall on a snowbank, you could die, you like die. in the wintertime. Like, that, that can happen. And the way Gordy played was, it was survival, right? Like, it was, this game will break you, or you will break it. And that's kind of the, the way Canadians, we like to tell ourselves this, is that in Canada, like, to get through the winter in most of this country, you got to be tough and you got to either beat it or it beats you. And I think that's, a, that's a, a, it's not a major part of who he is, but a lot of Gordy, like you can make him any kind of myth that you want for the Canadian experience. It's really, it's cool. You know, you tell that story about, about him basically, you know, willing to, to fight and get back for anybody who stole the puck from him. There's a very famous story about Stan Musial, the baseball player late in his career. He was standing on second base. He'd hit a double or something and he was leading off. And he just kind of wasn't paying attention, and the pitcher picked him off. Like the, somebody, somebody snuck behind him. The shortstop snuck behind him and picked him off. And Musial essentially said to them, "Yeah, good play. Don't ever embarrass me like that again. Ever. Don't mm-hmm. ever embarrass me like that again." I mean, there's like this this sense of of you know, and and it was late in his career and all of that, but it, like this, like, hey, I've earned more than that. I've earned you know, more respect than you just going ahead and, and on a, some no day at all, I'm not paying attention. You pick me off. It seems like Gordy played his whole career like that. I mean, sort of like, don't no, d- just let me do what I do and just get out of my way. Just stay out well, of my way. Well, and, and I was talking to Brendan Shanahan about this yesterday and Shanahan actually played a little bit like how in terms of he was very physical and he was a goal scorer, but the way he put it is like, it's, it's kind of like, again, it's what Canadians like to tell ourselves we are. 
Gordy off the, off the ice was the nicest guy ever. Right. But don't screw with us because then we'll get mean. Right. Like that's what Gordy was is he was, he was the nicest possible man until he strapped on skates. And then it was like his entire career was, a, was a search for his own dignity and, and a, and a kind of maintenance of his own dignity. Um, and the, the funny thing is off the ice, he couldn't have been more dignified. He couldn't have been more respectable, but on the ice, like, he, he was fighting for himself and for his teammates and later on for his son, which is another part of the story, which is just amazing. Like who, who plays that long, who plays that long with his sons who are, are either great or very good players in their own right. Um, just Gordy, like only Gordy did that. And when in Canada, we kind of have this, this torch that passes for the generational players. And, and, and really before 1980, how he doesn't hold it alone because there's Maurice Richard and there's Jean Beliveau and there, there are the, the great Canadian teams, but in English Canada, and there, there's a bit of a funny little separation here. It goes how Gretzky Lemieux, a brief interruption for the uh, kind of broken career of Eric Lindros and then Sidney Crosby. Like that's the, it's, it's like a Royal procession Yeah, procession. and, 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 and how owned it for so long, uh, just because he just towered above his era by such an immense degree um, and I, like, I don't think you can translate him to the current era. I, I think he'd still be a great player no matter when he played, but in his era, he took all the tools that he needed and were available to him and he used every one. Yeah. And, and, and I want to, I want to explore for a minute the, the whole idea of him being such a different person on the ice and off the ice. Uh, but you mentioned something about his son. Isn't there a famous story about him? Basically somebody taking a cheap shot at Marty, how, and, and him sort of delivering the payback because that's what dads do. I mean, that seems to be what, what he represented. Yeah. I mean, he's the epitome of my dad could beat up your dad. Right. <laughs> um, except that my dad's standing over there and then, they, but he would do that with teammates all over the place, but he'd do it with his sons. Like even in practices, um, where a guy's taking a run at Marty, then he'd go, don't do that. And he'd teach him, right? Like it was, it was a series of lessons for this. And I wonder how much of how, like, I don't know enough about the rest of hockey history to really say this, but a lot of what Gordy did, it kind of seems to be, like, again, it's a distillation of the code, right? In hockey, there's this code of eye for an eye. You do something dirty, we're going to do something dirty. It's, it's about kind of equalization, right? And, and Gordy was that, is that you do something I think is wrong, I'm going to do something back. And it's going to be as hard as anything you're going to do. I'm going to teach you. And that's what the code in hockey has been for so long, is about keeping people in line, in theory. It doesn't actually work, right? Like, it's not like the code is this, is this kind of free market solution to all, all the problems of hockey. In some ways it is the problem of hockey. Right. Um, but, but, but for like, again, Gordy kind of was an epitome of that, which is this, the, the hockey, the frontier justice, right? Like vigilante justice. And back then it was probably justified. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so interesting to me because, you know, you talk about the, uh, um, you talk about the whole, uh, notion of him on and off the ice. You know, I, when I, when I was, you know, looking at this, uh, at sort of his life, uh, you know, after his passing, one of the things that pops up all the time is his famous fight with, uh, Lou Fortunato, uh, yeah. in 59. So, so he, he basically, those two guys had a, had a very long, uh, and, and, uh, nasty little rivalry. Uh, and Lou, I guess, got the better of him early because, uh, he, Gordy Howe made the mistake of dropping his stick too early, and he ended up getting pummeled with with Fortunato's stick. But in that that fight, this, the the most famous fight, they they get into it. Fortunato seems to throw a punch, he misses. 
and and somehow how immobilizes his arms and then and then batters him and breaks his nose and his and dislocates his jaw and and it's it's the most famous fight because Fortunato was famous for being a tough guy and all of that. But my favorite part of that thing was in his autobiography when he wrote about it, he said, you know, I I guess I don't know if this makes me a bad person, but I'm not sorry about that because the way I looked mm-hmm. at it, he was doing his job and I was doing my job. And I think that's where the the what you are on the ice and off the ice for him represented, right? He was he was doing his job. That's the way he viewed playing hockey. He was on the ice doing his job. Well, and the, the the great difference I found, like Beliveau, I find is kind of an, another side of a coin for that era, right? This, except with Beliveau, he was this gentle giant, this gentleman on and off the ice, right? right. Beliveau, there was there wasn't a difference between this immensely elegant and respectable and adored man off the ice and the way he played the game, right? And Gordy, it was it was two sides of a completely opposite coin, right? It, he just you'd. It, You'd never know meeting Gordy how off the ice what he was on the ice, except that he'd tell you the stories, right? right? And he'd tell you the stories, and he wouldn't tell you the stories in a way that was that he was ashamed of them. Really, like he'd tell them with a, with a wink and a twinkle in his eye and all of that, um, because that, again, we, we, you can never judge what they what what sports used to do in the context of, of what sports are now, right? Like we know what an elbow to the head does now, and back then it was just that was just a part of the game. It was just okay. one more weapon. Right. Yeah, no question. I mean, I think you see it very similarly in the NFL. I mean, you you talk to some of those old NFL players, and and honestly, enough of them have been have been hurt and and have have had real suffering at the ends of their lives that you don't even hear this as much anymore. But it used to be mm-hmm. our, our Donovan telling stories about biting each other's noses off and and you know and 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 yep. destroying each other, and so that was part of the game, and I think probably even more so. In hockey, because even now there's like a there's a there's a whole branch of hockey fan and a whole branch of hockey analyst that sort of wishes the game was tougher, right? I mean that's a that's a very big part of the hockey persona is that hey, some of hockey's going a little soft, right? Well, I, I, I went to Game Five of the Stanley Cup Final the other night, and afterwards we're we're talking with some people. And there's some people from the league and, and people from player safety and stuff. And you can never argue with the guys from player safety because even the, a play where a guy gets driven into the board, the laws have been written, the rules have been written in a way that basically says there is certain certain contact in the head that's allowable as part of the game. We built it into the system, um, and and the hockey has protected some of that, and that's really important to hockey. So a lot of people in hockey is that 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 brutal aspect of the game. A lot of, like generations grew up with it, right? Like from the small rinks to the bigger rinks to the biggest rinks, and for them, it's as much a part of the game as scoring, as goaltending, as moving the puck, as skating, as anything. Now, you you growing up uh, in Canada and growing up around hockey, did you like the fights? Like when you were when you were a kid, were you was that was that the thing that sort of thrilled you? Or even then, did you go, why are they fighting in the middle of a hockey game? No, when I was a kid, I loved it, right? Okay. Like, I still, I grew up in Vancouver, and Gino Ojic was our guy, right? <laughs> Gino Ojic was, was this big First Nations guy who was Pavel Bure's best friend, and he would fight anybody. And that, I, I was like everybody else. Like, nothing brings an arena to its feet other than a goal, like a fight, right? Like, it's, it, it turns us all into the kid we were in high school in the parking lot, where everyone yells, fight, 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 and everyone runs to it. That's part of the Canadian identity. I mean, think about it. In junior hockey, we have been paying, as a nation, to watch sometimes teenagers bare knuckle box 
Like that's, that's what we've been doing. There are, we pay for this. We are, they're an important part of our communities. This is a part of our national identity. And think about when you put it in that context, you go, wait a minute, junior kids fighting. Like when Zidane Ochara, for instance, went to the WHL, he was 17 years old, big Czech kid, big gawky kid. And every big tough kid in the WHL would come to Prince George and they wanted to fight the giant. And this was a great attraction until Zidane Ochara started hitting them. Um, but this is something that we've encouraged in our country. This is something that, that is a part of the Canadian identity. And uh, like, so I've kind of, as, as time has evolved, I mean, I used to watch football and never think about it twice too, right. but we didn't used to wear seatbelts. My mom tells stories of driving up through the mountains sure. on gravel roads and they just lie down on the back seat of the big bench seats of the car. Right. And oh. so times change and eras change and you start to realize what consequences are. And I, like, I, I, I don't know if, if, if Gordy ever thought about the, con- the consequences in that way. Um, I don't know if like really what he thought of that, but like, you can look at it differently now, but you can't judge what he did differently then. Well, but, but it is interesting because, you know, as you've said, and, and, and numerous other people have said very beautifully, he did represent this sort of Canadian ideal because he was the guy who would fight on the ice. And, and yet he was this such a gentleman and, and really never stopped being the farm kid off the ice. And, I think, you know, I always used to say this about boxing, back when boxing was really popular in the Muhammad Ali era, obviously. You always had these, like, the front three rows would be with people wearing tuxedos and and mm-hmm. dresses and, and you know, and, and they would get blood spattered and they didn't care. I mean, they always were, like, so yeah. classy. And it, 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 like, it lent this sort of imaginary class to two guys just pounding the heck out of each other. And not to say that, that that's the same, because obviously fighting is an offshoot of hockey, but don't you think that Gordy Howe, because he is who he is, sort of let, like, this is the way you can be. You can be as nasty as you want on the ice, and then off the ice, you are this gentleman. I mean, I think he represented, you know, the ideal, like, exactly like you say. Uh, yeah, it, it, it allows us to tell ourselves stories of ourselves, right? Like, that's what it is. And I mean, take a look at the old the old pictures, the beautiful, the, there's nothing as beautiful as old hockey pictures. Oh yeah. The old hockey pictures from the forum or New York or anywhere you want, Toronto and everyone in the stands is wearing a suit, right. And they're wearing a hat, right. And everyone in the press box is the same. It, it, it was an occasion, right. And, and those are, those are sacred things in Canadian culture. Like that, that idea of, of what hockey is. And Gordy, again, he, he allows us to tell ourselves that this is who we are. And one of the mistakes you make in Canada, and I wrote about this a little bit is we tr- some people try to say that hockey is Canada. Right. Hockey, the story of hockey is the story of Canada, and you can you can you can work that metaphor, and you can you can make some of it some of it work. It ignores the fact that there's a huge amount of this country for whom hockey is not the primary thing, as like the 2010 gold medal game where we win a gold medal in hockey on the last day of our Olympics in Vancouver. I think that I mean there's still 40 percent of the country didn't watch it, right? Yeah. Um, and, and there's, there's an immense amount of people in this country for whom hockey is not even close to the dominant Canadian experience. Um, and we also tell ourselves that hockey is our best selves, that hockey represents the best of Canada. And you can, again, cherry-pick out the virtues of dealing with suffering and teamwork and all those things that make hockey great. And the problem is, again, that's not true either. Like, hockey can be our worst selves as well. It can be absolutely the worst parts of Canada. Like, take a look at the things that have, that have surrounded hockey over the years it can be a conduit for child abuse. It can be a, a conduit for attempted murder. It can be, it can, it, like anything else, it reflects us at our best and our worst. 
Um, and the thing with Gordy is he allowed us to. That, that's the best part. Like that, if you're if you're going to say that hockey is Canada and you're going to say that hockey is our best selves, that's who Gordy is, right? Like he's a he's a pillar of your argument, and you cannot argue against Gordy Howe. The same way you can't argue against John Bellabo, because these are guys who were such a credit to the game on the ice and off the ice, and for their entire lives. And this is kind of where it's kind of funny to me that Gordy, not funny, but Gordy died on the same day that they buried Muhammad Ali. Right. And what, what did we say about Ali in terms of his post-boxing career is that he was this enormous vessel of love. Like just this, this, not only love being directed towards him, but he had time for people. Muhammad Ali, the most, maybe the most famous man in the world, had time for people sure. in all kinds of places. And he left everyone with a story that wasn't just I shook Muhammad Ali's hand, but he gave him something else. And Gordy was like that. And that's, I think, where in terms of being giants of the era, that's where I think the parallels are the strongest, is that Gordy Howe had time for people for his whole life. He'd, and what Walter Gretzky used to tell Wayne Gretzky, look at how Mr. Howe shakes people's hands and looks them in the eye and signs an autograph that people can read. Little things like that, digni- dignity. Um, then that, that is, sorry, my daughter just needs to go pee one moment. Um, but, but, but that is, that is kind of, it says so much about a person that you can be that famous and that accomplished and still have time for the people who love you. And that to me is as, as big an accomplishment. And it says as much about a person as anything they ever did in the sporting world. And that is what Gordy represents. And it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that if you look at the people who were the greatest players of the game in Canada, again, those, those kind of torchbearers, right? Like, so let's go Howe, Gretzky, Lemieux, Crosby. Sure. Um, of those four, uh, at least three of them, you would say, those are some of the best human beings there are in the world. Yeah. Like, you cannot, you, like, you can't say anything bad about Wayne Gretzky. You can't say anything bad really about Sidney Crosby. Couldn't say anything real bad about Gordy Howe. Um, Mario Lemieux, same thing. Like, he's, he's conducted himself with a, with a class and a dignity. And I think that people looked at Mr. Hockey, and that's how he acted. Brent Shanahan pointed this out. He was kind of the first guy to be on TV as that player, right? Yeah. As, as the dominant player. And that's how he acted. That's how much time he had for people. And again, if, if hockey, if we want to tell ourselves that hockey is us, then being great at this sport, of all the boys and all the rinks that have crossed the land who grew up to play this, to be that great and still have that much time for people, that's an extraordinary thing. And that, like, to be able to be a good person and be that famous with that much responsibility and to do it every day for your whole life, that's awesome. And that's kind of Gordy Howe. No, it is. It is awesome. And obviously, you also have time for your daughter in the middle of this to to uh, <laughs> take care of things. This is good. Uh, last question, and and this is the tough one because it's really not an answerable question. But you, you mentioned how different hockey is now. You mentioned how different the era is. The sport is completely. It's it's almost it's almost incomparable. Much in the same mm-hmm. way that it is in football and tennis and golf and some of these other you know sports. That said. In the landscape of the greatest players, where does Gordie Howe rank? I think no matter what, you put him in the top four or five. Right. Um, no matter what. No matter what criteria you apply to it. And then you decide how much is Howe's physical play and his defense worth over Gretzky. Um, he was more physical than either Lemieux or Gretzky, who were two of the other guys in the top five. Sure. He was more offensively impactful in his own way than probably Bobby Orr was. Bobby Orr is another guy in that top five. Sure. He wasn't as offensively great as Gretzky, um, but the era, again, is different and it's harder to, to measure. I, I, don't, I didn't see enough of how to truly know, um, but I think 
even if you go across, I think Gretzky's probably acknowledged as the greatest player ever, along with Bobby Orr, and that's really where the real disagreement is. And how usually finishes third. Um, and I don't think there's any shame in that. And I think probably if if more people had watched them all, there might be a little bit of a different ranking. But a top three to four player all time in this game, I think he'd take that. Yeah, it's pretty special. It's pretty special. And I will add this: if you ask Gretzky and you ask Orr, they would both say yep. Gordie Howe. Right, so, so well, that's... I, I, and they'll, yeah, they'll say Mr. Howe, too, right? Mr. Howe, that, that, that's that respect, right. <laughs> that enormous reverence. Like, listening to Gretzky talk about Gordy, um, the day that he died, like, it was like he lost a real friend. And that's, and that's to me, that to me is so cool, right? Because I don't think people are going to feel that when Michael Jordan does. I don't know, but I don't think so. No, I don't think um, so. I don't think you get that in other sports where there's just, like, Gordy was, was Gretzky's friend, right? And Gretzky, the way he would put it is, that he got to meet his idol, and that Gordy was bigger and better and nicer than he ever could have imagined. He he was more, right? And like all you can ask in life is to over deliver, is to be better than what people think you really are. Um, and and in hockey, that that was Gordy Howe. Yeah, so true, so true. Bruce, can't thank you enough for spending the time. Absolutely, my pleasure, Joe.